0: Welcome everybody to the quick tap. Now you would have known this section from usually coming at the end of the main event, but you know Dr. Dup and myself, we just speak a little too much. So we've decided to give it its own little spotlight here at the end of the week and give you guys something to discuss around the brow with your mates, obviously maintaining safe distance. Dr. Dup, how are you doing today?
1: Hey Jason, I'm doing pretty awesome today. It's a Friday, the weekend is upon us. And yeah, we're going we're to help the, the Boykies know what to talk about when they're brying with their fellow mates.
0: There we go. So we've got a couple of good articles this week. And we're going to start with the Rugby Championship, a bit of drama in Sansa. So the Rugby Championship uh, schedule was recently finalized, but there's a bit of an issue. So the last Let Low Cup match is happening on the 12th of December. But under current New Zealand uh, guidelines for coronavirus, that this means that the players will be in uh, lockdown, sorry, quarantine over Christmas, missing it with their families. And they are very upset about this. Apparently, there was agreement uh, to have the last fixture for this on the 5th or 6th of December. But this has been violated. Dr. Duke, what's your opinion on this?
1: I think this is a, a move by Rugby Australia to kind of give the finger to to New Zealand, you know, because there's been a bit of a back and forth over the last months, uh, particularly when it comes to super rugby, um, also with the championship uh, rugby and, and setting the dates and so forth. Um, I think Rugby Australia was touched when early in the year uh, New Zealand rugby was like, yeah, we don't really need you guys um, and we don't owe you anything. Uh, I felt like they were touched at to me, this seems like a little bit of a, a dirty move that they're playing here. You know, like, all right, so so we're just going to schedule things so that your players are, you know, going to have to go through this quarantine without their families. You know, it, it's going to suck for the players because, in all fairness, like, when you come back, you want to spend time with your family. But now you're in your home country. You're basically locked in a hotel room. And it's Christmas. Come on. I think this is a bit of a dirty move. Uh, I'm not too convinced that there's zero foul play. I think there's a little bit of foul play in that one.
0: Oh, I 100% agree. We already saw tensions between New Zealand and Australia uh, when New Zealand said, yeah, we only want three of your sides in a revised Super Rugby competition. Australia wanted five. Two, actually. Two. It was
1: two. (laughs) Originally, they said only two Australian teams are good enough.
0: Sure. Yeah, so you see, that's definitely bad blood Sanzar is basically over at this point argentina slowly just crumbling itself south africa's uh looking to follow the, the route of most of its uh, countrymen and go north and yeah australia new zealand just can't get along so clearly we were the glue that was holding things together in my humble opinion hey
1: we were always the glue that kept sansa together because we were the piggy bank you know we we were the major um Influencer in terms of money, bringing money into Sansa, um for, for these rugby nations. So, yeah, I think we are witnessing the death of Sanzar. I don't foresee Sanzar being around next year, to be very honest. Um, I'm, I am disappointed that South Africa did not get the opportunity to go play in this once-off, um, you know, expanded eight nations. Because I think if we did it now, that would have been a great trial run and they would be keen to bring us in regularly uh, in the Northern Hemisphere. I still think it's on the table for us to join the North, um, you know, in terms of international rugby on a regular basis um, in, in some sort of an expanded six, seven or eight nations. I still think it's there, but Suns are trying really hard to, to keep everyone, but I think the rugby unions, you know, it's very clear now that everyone is making decisions for themselves only.
0: Yeah, it's very much become less of a team thing. But now just, you know, now these petty things, definitely need a breakup. I don't know how Rugby Australia is really going to continue if they sever this relationship with New Zealand, considering they lost the big sponsor as well. Could be tough times for Australia.
1: You know, I don't think they will sever the relationship entirely. You know, because they're so close together, they need each other. Yeah. So... But the thing is, this is going to be a very difficult relationship going forward for them, you know, with everything that went down. So, I don't think those meetings will be pleasant at all, you know, when they get together uh, to discuss things. it's uh, Yeah, things might get heated. There's definitely going to be some tension. I think we can expect on a somewhat semi-regular basis to get articles like this, um, you know, where they report on what is happening and uh, potentially but it's of Duggery that's going to go down in future. I, th- I think we can expect that. You know, so from a news perspective, it's going to be interesting, but from a rugby perspective, this is not great to see.
0: No, not at all, but it's always nice to have a little bit of spice to rugby. It can be a bland in terms of these kind of things. So, uh, you know, it's not the worst thing that could happen. But anyway, let's yeah. let's move on a bit to something a bit more spicy. So Bernard Laporte, uh World Rugby Vice Chairman or Deputy Ch- Chairman uh, has been caught in a bit of a scandal. He is under investigation currently uh, in terms of and for like a corruption inquiry. Uh, this has a, a lot of layer to it. Uh, also the Montpellier, the head of Montpelier is also under investigation. The primary thing they were looking into were claims that uh, that uh, Laporte put pressure on the French League's appeal committee to reduce a fine-imposed Montpellier from €70,000 to €20,000 because a company he owns has an image rights contract with the Altrad Group, the club's owners. Uh, The interesting thing is, it's not only this, but they're also looking into the 2023 World Cup bid, uh, looking at uh, claims that he influenced that to make sure that France got... uh, Got favour there to win that World Cup. Thing. Now, Dub, I don't, know, I don't know if you really agree with this about uh, Laporte invest, uh, uh changing this
1: bid. Do you? Hey, um, I just want to say, lock him up. <laughs> <laughs> I do not like him at all. I am still so upset and angry about that 2023 World Cup bid because there has, there was foul play. You're not going to tell me otherwise, right? He definitely influenced that bit. And I mean, let's be honest, they had the voting behind closed doors, right? There's no transparency, you know, in that thing. And on top of that, they spent £600,000 for independent review committee, you know, to get their recommendation. And they threw it out the window like it meant nothing, right? That was that was Laporte had a big hand in that, so I am so happy that they are investigating him for that as well clearly if um you know with this specific case that that started the investigation yeah it's it's not right on him to put influence on them to reduce the fine because he has a company right that is a conflict of interest, and he should be held accountable for that
0: Oh hundred percent, and it's also interesting to note the timing that these big investigations have come in. So Bernard Laporte is also the president of the French Rugby Federation, currently standing for re-election. The results are meant to be coming out October 3rd. So he claims that these investigations are part of a a coup attempt to destabilize his re-election bid. Uh, Personally, I do believe that these should have happened a long time ago, but if they influence his power in the end, you know, it is what it is, in my opinion.
1: I, I agree with you there. That yeah, these things should have been investigated earlier. You ideally want to see the investigation happening immediately after, you know, the person does the the deed. You know what they're not supposed to do, but um, sometimes it is important when they come out and start an investigation because because there's a spotlight now on the French Rugby Federation with the elections and that he's up for um, for election. Right, that means that there's a lot more traction for this investigation. Um, so, look, I don't really care if he's in the wrong; he's in the wrong. Whether they're investigating him now or earlier, you know, he should still be held accountable for what he did. Um, I'm really interested to see if anything's going to come out from that 2023 bid, and if they do find that he, you know, really did influence that that vote. What's going to happen then, right? Are they still going to get hosting rights? What's going to happen? I'm very curious to see what's what's what what will come out of this one. It is an
0: interesting situation. I think if France is then stripped of that right to host the bid, I think it will be Ireland getting it because they will still be financially able to host it. I think unfortunately with the pandemic hitting and South Africa's financial situation. We are just no longer in a stable position to be able to host this. So it would really suck if we suddenly had the chance to, but we couldn't. But I think if France does get stripped, I think it is going to Ireland. I believe they were the third strongest contender for that bid.
1: Yeah, they were. Um, I'm not entirely convinced that we would not be able to host it. Um, There is still a bit of time before 2023. And it could be a massive cash injection into the economy, right? So, there is that. What would happen, and even in France, you know, because of the pandemic, no one would be able to um, host it to the standard that they promised in the bid.
0: Yes, that's, that's big a issue.
1: fact, right? But I do think they would, the, all three countries would be able to host it if needed. You know, we would just be like, hey, we're probably not going to put a lot of upgrades to our stadiums because we don't have the money, but our infrastructure is already there we have huge stadiums that can accommodate a lot of fans you know so i still think it's possible but um uh, on the other other hand i really don't know what um, ireland's financial situation is at the moment and whether they actually would be able to do it um so yeah a lot of question marks i'm also quite interested now if if he's found to be guilty of what he did um you know with reducing that that fine and particularly you know if he if if they conclude that he did tamper with the voting um influencing other nations right what's going to happen to his vice president position at world rugby you know he should then be stripped of that position as well
0: yeah you would think so because once you've been proven to be involved in these kind of things you can't really be trusted in that kind of position and then I'm not sure what's going to happen. Uh, his name escapes me now, but the guy who was going for president of World Rugby at the time, he said he wasn't keen on being a vice president. So I'm not sure if he'd be stepping in, or I don't know how the leadership changeup would happen. I'm not not that informed of that political structures there in World Rugby. What do you think would happen if he was to be stripped of that title?
1: Well, they would need to get another vice president in. Um Who they might go for, I'm not sure. I mean, Augustine is done with this. For Augustine, it was either president or nothing. Yeah, Uh, He's definitely not going to be keen to work another four years with Bill Beaumont. Uh, That's a bit of the issue here. Um, So I don't know. But they will just find someone else and put them in that position. They'll probably have a bit of a vote again. Or they might just take the voting from this election that went down. And whoever was second on the ballot with votes will get the position. I think it'll be something like that.
0: Uh, All I'm saying is, Sculptrits is free, guys. Sculptrits is free.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Give it a shot. (laughs) We can use some enthusiasm up there.
0: There we go. Anyway, moving on to the next story. Another, it just gets spicy as we go here. So, Georgia Rugby, you've seen them in the news lately for being part of that Autumn Nations Cup. Really good for their rugby. They deserve a shot. To play with the big boys in Europe, but there's a bit of drama there currently. <laughs> I couldn't believe
1: it. Did not see this, I couldn't believe it as well.
0: It's it's mad. So, there was a shooting at the Georgian rugby's office. Now, you might think, oh, shame, some guy was uh, was about to be mugged or whatever. No, this was the vice president of Georgia rugby, Mirab Basilia, <laughs> shooting the former captain of the Georgian national sevens team, Ramaz Karas- Karazishvili in the leg <laughs> over apparent dispute after an argument they were going through. Now, this is quite crazy, but it does make a bit of sense because his Karazishvili's... <laughs> go for Ramas. <laughs> Just go for Ramas. <laughs> Ramas's club, the Yankers, I think that's their name, bit of a strange one, were among 32 Georgian clubs to accuse the interim president, Georgi... I'm not going of <laughs> damaging efforts to set up a task force <laughs> to help rugby in the country to cope with the coronavirus pandemic now i understand not liking people being vocal but why do you have a gun at work but
1: <laughs> yeah uh, why do you need a gun at work particularly when you're in an office space i mean come on uh, you don't need a gun there and to to me it just shows that their vice president really should not be in that position. If you are unable to engage and even have a disagreement, you know, with someone that is within your organization, uh, in within Georgian rugby, to such an extent that you have to reach for a gun, shoot the guy in the leg to make your point, you should not be in that job. Right? So he, he needs to go, he, you know, They'll, they'll probably come down. The law will come down hard on him. Uh, so his days are done. You know he, he needs to get out of there. But yeah, I was I was shocked at this. I'm also a little bit surprised. Like, okay, so why didn't he go after you know all the other two thirty thirty two clubs and go shoot their captains as well? You know, like if he really wants to get his point across.
0: Yeah, I think the big issue here was that karazashvili was doing it in person and probably being representative for either his club or for the other clubs. Probably and probably, probably we know rugby players sometimes they get a bit heated. Still no reason to shoot. <laughs> and no reason to shoot. And with this kind of destabilization that's gonna come in their ranks after this, it's really at a bad time because even if they do put in the good showing in the Autumn Nations Cup, you've now got the other six nations thinking, Ooh, do you really want that kind of, those kind of issues associated with our tournament? So that's that's going to come into play as well. It's going to be interesting to see how things go from here in terms of that story.
1: Yeah, definitely. There's there's a lot of question marks, especially now with uh, you know Georgia Rugby's administration. Um, this will influence their performance in eight nations. Um, yeah, and and you know, long term they might lose an opportunity to to get into some sort of an expanded. Six Nations, or even if you, for example, they were to decide Italy, you know, you haven't won a game in years. We're we going to bring someone else in. Yeah, I think they might think twice, you know, to to get into bed with the Georgian rugby union if this is the sort of stuff that happens. But this might be a massive shakeup within the organization, and it could be used as an opportunity to really look at how their their structures are, how they deal with issues, and you know, improve the organization.
0: Yeah. If the, if anything it should be used as a way to try and make improvements there again, there wasn't, it's also interesting because the guy who was being criticized, wasn't the guy who did the shooting. So I think there's a lot more to the story that we're just not getting okay. at this point. We'll keep an eye out in future and see if anything else pops up. But anyway, moving on to our last story for this quick tap, it's a bit of a sad one for us South Africans. The Southern very Kings sad. have gone into liquidation. So this is a decision by SA Rugby to put the company into voluntary liquidation just to ensure that Eastern Rugby Eastern Province Rugby uh the reunion itself uh secures their long long term future. Now uh, this is very sad. They just yeah, basically they'd accumulated a a deficit of 55 million rand with zero income and prospect for 2020. So they've decided to liquidate and this has left all the staff and the players in the middle of a pandemic without jobs and without income. I mean, you've gotten to the point where a star of Eastern Province rugby, CJ Velleman, is going to the Chikwas and saying, please, I'll play for you for free. I just want game time.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah, that is absolutely ridiculous. And it, it really, so I think last week, um, my players came out, they particularly criticized this and the administration there at uh, you know, the Kings, saying that it's unacceptable that there's zero accountability for the administrators. They can run a union into the ground and then just, to say, hey, we're bankrupt, we're going into liquidation, and they they walk away with zero consequences to them, and the players and the staff take the full brunt of this. It is not fair towards the players, right? Because the players, you know, essentially don't really get a say into into how the unit is run. And, you know, these amateurs, really they amateurs, you know, just run the place into the ground. And it's the players that take the brand. I feel that there needs to be serious consequences, you know, for these guys in the administration, they should not be allowed to, to run a union.
0: I a hundred percent agree. And it's a problem. We've, it's been evident in SRA before while wow, the amateur arm controlling the professional side of the sport. You can see it in the voting uh, structures because each team is given a vote. So, the majority of teams in South Africa are amateur teams, so you got guys like leopards and yeah you know, like border being able to decide what happens to the professional teams and it's something we need to it needs to be fixed, especially here where like you say amateur officials run a company into the ground and they've still got their jobs at the union. There needs to be professional yeah. people operating a professional company. the company is a business it's not just a a rugby club, and yeah, the big thing here is you are hurting people's lives. Like we know, Eastern Province players are paid well because they're rugby players, but not paid that well. And a lot of these guys are supporting big families, supporting siblings. Like this is, this should be a landmark event that sh- changes how rugby is run in South yeah. Africa, especially Eastern Province rugby. I think. If changes aren't made soon, then we could really see the death of eastern province, right, Bean?
1: No, for sure. You can't have a system where, you know, the union goes into liquidation and the administrators, basically, what they're doing is they, they're cutting their losses, saying, hey, we're bankrupt, we're going into liquidation. And they basically have the opportunity then to have a clean slate to start again. That should not be the case. There needs to be serious consequences when you mismanage a union to such an extent that it's bankrupt and going into liquidation. Right? That whole administration board should not be allowed to touch a rugby union for at least a year. I feel like they should, you know, all other rugby unions should just look at them and be like, We don't want you here. You know? So they really need to look at this. I do hope, like you say, this is gonna be a landmark event that that forces Saru to, you know, consider the structures that are in place and improve upon them. We need to get professionals into the rugby unions. And the Stormers are also a bit concerning because of this, because right, they actually have an opportunity to get business people into the setup, but they are unwilling to give the, the controlling share away. It's the amateur side of the, the Stormers that are that are unwilling, you know, to, to to step aside to let actual business professionals come in and run the union. They don't want to give up their power, and that is the problem here. They do not look at the bigger picture, right? And then we sit with issues like this.
0: Yes, exactly. And it brings up a question of should there be a separation of professional franchises and companies from the amateur arm, the rugby union? Uh, I think that's something very complex and difficult to put in place, but it might be necessary. Um, If you've got VP VP Rugby Union being essentially the same as the Stormers, VP Rugby Union are always going to control what happens to the Stormers and help or, in most counts, hinder their growth. I think we're going to need to have a distinct separation, which could bring up contracting issues about where guys play, but it is something that I believe needs to be looked at. Maybe it is time that we properly separate professional franchises and Pro 14 and Super Rugby from the amateur unions who represent in Curry Cup.
1: 100%. The game went professional in 95. It's been 25 years now. We're still sitting with amateurs running our unions. right? That's not good enough. right? We need to jump all in with professionalism we cannot afford to continue with this model that is currently in place right either we separate them uh, and we're hopefully like the professional arm can break off and they can be an entity on the you know on themselves or the unions themselves need to decide okay we are gonna embrace the professional thing we're gonna open ourselves up for investment from outside and we're gonna get actual business people um, to come and run it and in the case of the Stormers right? The people that want to come in actually know about the the sport. They run successful teams, sporting teams in the US. They know how to do this. And you're telling me these amateurs are sitting there in Cape Town saying, no, we don't want you to come run the place. For why? What is your reason? Why do you not want these professionals to come in who have a track record of doing it in the US, right? They basically set the bar for how to run sporting unions, how to get fan engagement and so forth, but you 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 don't you don't want them to come in and help you out. It's a who says no to a hundred million right now during COVID. If you're a rugby union you don't have money, who says no? It's ridiculous.
0: It really is. It really is, and uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how the King's situation or now EP Elephant situation develops as time goes on when they're trying to reinstate what happens to most of their players. Uh, I feel for the younger guys, you know, can kind of kick back off of this. They can do their own training they go, but like the older guys who've been sticking with the union, showing their loyalty, who will now be out of the job and most likely will not get other contracts. Those other guys, I really feel good. Their careers have been cut short by the decisions of amateurs. Yeah, 100%. Anyway, is there any other anything else you want to add based on any of these stories? Any other comments you want to make, Dr. Dup?
1: Uh no, I think that's that. I don't see anything else that really piqued my interest. Um I think I think um, you know, everyone will kind of have a good sense of uh the major things that popped up for this week, you know, when they go into the weekend and um go uh socialize at a distance with friends and family. You know, at least they can have a conversation. Because I mean, hey, we have rugby this weekend. So there's definitely going to be some rugby talk. So we hope everyone will have have a good sense and uh, different viewpoints on on some of these matters that popped up this week.
0: I agree 100%. The only thing I want to add is, hey, New Zealand, hindsight is twenty twenty. hey? Maybe we should have stayed. (laughs) But anyway, thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Hope you enjoyed. Please make sure to follow us on all forms of social media. We've got Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, no early fans for now that's coming in the future <laughs> yeah and please make sure to follow us and keep track with all our regular podcasts on various podcast uh, platforms and hope you guys have a good weekend and enjoy super sunday
1: enjoy it everyone have a fantastic weekend cheers <music>